0: Hallelujah. So we've been talking all year about restoration. How many of you have heard that thought? Amen. And uh, Pastor Jerry and I have been been praying and seeking the Lord according to what we need to move into in 2018. And it feels like um, we don't get to change that yet. So we're going to keep preaching restoration. Restoration. You know, a restoration is a bringing back of God's intention, a bringing back of the way God wants it to be. So let's go to the scriptures we've been using in Acts 3 for I don't know how many months, nine months, 10 months, 11 months. Hallelujah. It says, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So you have to decide, I'm ready for refreshing. I'm ready to be refreshed because that's what God plans for you. Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. It may not be on the sidewalks of your city, but in that in the presence of the Lord there's refreshing. And that he may send Jesus Christ, who has preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Now, we understand that on the timetable of the Lord, we are moving closer daily to his return. Every day, we're a day closer to the return of Jesus. And it doesn't matter how much you don't want it, aren't ready for it, can't see it. None of that is relevant. What's relevant is we're a day closer than we were yesterday. We are a day closer to the return of Jesus. So in being closer to the return of Jesus, we are moving farther and farther into the restoration of all things. Now, when we see and hear of restoration, we tend to think the way that the best was in our life. But when it's talking about the restoration of all things, we're looking at, the best that God says earth could possibly be. So we're looking at as restoration of all things, not the best you've ever had, but the best mankind has ever had it, which is much better than the best you've ever had because we know of a man named Adam. It was really, really good for him. Amen? Some years ago, um, and I would not recommend this reading for anyone, but somebody gave me the book of Adam that's been handed down through Jewish traditions. And it is the, a book of the deepest, deepest sorrow I have ever seen because Adam had experienced earth with no curse and moved completely into curse. That would be like going from heaven to come and live on the earth. That would be pitiful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we know that, that the, the condition that Adam had was beyond anything we could imagine, dream, or think, but yet the Word of God tells us to believe for days of heaven on earth. Yeah, come on. So God is obviously wanting us as the church to move to a better day. It even tells us in Psalms that the day of the righteous the day of the church, the day of the blessed ones gets brighter and brighter yeah. until a perfect day. Yes. Not dimmer or darker. Anytime your days get dimmer or darker, it's the work of the enemy. Amen. The days are intended in God to get better and better every day. every day. Every day. Amen? Amen? All right, so we can say it this way. Heaven holds Jesus until there's a restoration of all things. It's holding Jesus until there's a restoration of all things. So let's go back to the book of Genesis so we can see what restoration we are looking toward and what God intends for restoration. In verse 26 of Genesis 21, of Genesis chapter 1, is where we have the creation of man. And it says, God said, now understand, at this point, okay, let me just read it. God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So this gives us an awareness that this is the conference of the Godhead. He's discussing, they're discussing it. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they've come up with a plan. They've already made everything that man would need. The earth is created, the skies, the sun, the animals, everything is created. And they're climaxing the whole creative thing with this conference that they're having. And they say, let's make man. And let's make him not like we've made all the animals. Let's make him like us in our image. Let's make man, but let's make him like us. Not like the fish, not like the birds, not like the horses and cattle and elephants and dinosaurs or whatever you will see. Let's make make man like us. And there's an enthusiasm and there's an excitement because they know that everything man would need has already been placed in everything else they've already created. Yeah. God always provides the provision first. Yeah. Hallelujah. So he says, let, they say, God says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And with this like us, incidentally the word image there is a word where also um, is translated in other areas or a, a variation of it where we get the word glory. And the word likeness means in appearance, okay? So what we see here is God was making man with the glory that was on him that would have the same features that he has. Hands, we know there's the hand of the Lord. We know there's the feet of the Lord. We know there's the head. You know, we know there's the heart. So that's the likeness. And the image is the glory that emanates out of him. And we know that's the way it was because Abraham knew when that glory left. He knew when it left because as soon as that glory left, he felt naked. It was his covering before the fall. All right. And he says, this man that we're going to make that's like us, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Meaning, this man that we are making will be superior to every other living thing that we have currently made. Every other living thing that we made will have to be in subjection to man. Amen. Man will be the top of the chain on this place called earth. Mm-hmm. Man will be at the peak at the highest place, and everything else will be beneath this one called man because he's like us and in our image. Amen. Okay? And Kate, you do have dominion over your dog. Yes, you do. <laughs> you do have dominion over chickens. Some of us use dominion to put them in soup, and some of us use that dominion to let them lay eggs. But we still have dominion over them, okay? Hallelujah. All right? We have dominion over every living thing that is on the earth, over every living thing. Bugs, all these kind of things. Huh? Yay. Yay. Snakes. All right. So, verse 27, so God created man, so he did it in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. There's male man and there's female man. There's mankind. There's male tigers, there's female tigers, and there's tigers. Okay? So that's why in the New Testament, you don't have to get all bent out of shape when it says man. Women, you're included. Okay? Because we are the, of the species, man. All right? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created males and females, nothing in the it category between. Understand? Yes. Okay. Praise the Lord. All right. Then God blessed them and God said to them. So the first conference was God's plan. Now... Now this this, um, we have is the command upon man. This is what man can do. And he says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion, he repeats himself what they said in their conference, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay, And then he goes on to tell you, see I've given you every green herb for food and you get to live in this garden, everything's great, everything's wonderful. But I want to look at what God said to man because remember, we are working for restoration back to the way it was intended by the Lord for mankind. Are you following what I'm saying? Okay, so this was the command, and this is where restoration has to, has to be directed. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over every other living thing. So he tells them, first, be pr- fruitful. The wor- word fruitful means to be productive, to bear fruit, to grow, to increase, To be profitable. He's telling man, you go out there and be profitable. Be profitable. Bear fruit. See, when we hear fruitful, we think of have a pile of kids. I guess that could be included in that. But it's much more than that. He's saying you be profitable. Meaning this, the earth is glad you're there. Because you're producing profit in the earth. That's right. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, he said to multiply. Multiply means to increase, make greater and more in number. This is where all your kids come in. But it also means to be in authority as in government. Okay. Then it says to subdue it. And that means to bring everything else into bondage and subservienthood to you, man. Everything else that operates on the earth needs to be in subjection to you, man. All right? To keep it under, to conquer, all of these are subdue words, okay? And the next one, the last thing is to have dominion. To have dominion means to rule, to reign, to prevail against. Hallelujah. Now, when you think about it, in the garden, the Garden of Eden, um, you think about, well, there's Adam and Eve. They didn't really have a need for a president. (laughs) You know, they didn't have need for health care. They didn't even have need for educational system. God was that. They didn't have need for any of those things. But as the earth began to be populated and there became more and more people, God instilled systems. We see that through the children of Israel when he, um, through Jethro, tells Moses, "Um, you're going to wear yourself out trying to make all the answers for all these people. So break it down and get you leaders of this group and then the smaller leaders of smaller groups and then other leaders of other groups. Break it down and he, he sets up government like we know it, federal, state, local, those kind of things. So we see he instigates systems um, through, through the word of God. And so today we live in a nation with multiple systems. We have an educational system. We have a government system. We have an economic system. We have an entertainment system. We have all different kinds of systems in the earth today. But what we've missed out on is this command back in Genesis 1, 28, where he says, you have dominion, church, in all these systems. You rule and reign. Why does he say that to the church? Because if the church doesn't rule and reign in it, it's going to be chaotic. In the education system, church, you set the standards. In the economic system, church, you set the standards. In the healthcare system, church, you set the standards. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about the restoration of all things. That means, church, we have to, because we understand the mandate what that was on mankind back in the garden, we have a job of working with the word of the Lord for restoration in all of these systems. Hallelujah. Is anybody agreement? tonight? Yeah. Does anybody agree they need a little restoration? Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. So God's plan was that man through the years, the God-fearing man, the man walking with God, the man that could hear from heaven, the man with the wisdom of God could continue walking and subdue all these systems to keep them under the wisdom and the hand of God no longer how long earth was going to remain. Amen? All right. So it was God's plan that what Adam was to do was to continue to expand the garden. Enlarge the garden. Enlarge the garden. Enlarge the garden. But every place your foot goes belongs to you in domination the way that the garden wants it to operate. It was to continue to operate. The garden was to to enlarge and expand and continue to grow. And remember he said, every tree has in it the seed to reproduce itself. Every herb has seed in it that it can continue to grow and expand. But as it grows and expands, Adam, don't lose your dominion. Don't lose your authority. Don't lose your right of being able to subdue it so that it continues to operate the way I intend for it to operate. Hallelujah. So we're living in a time outside of that garden, but yet we still have the mandate as being created by God to have dominion and subdue all these systems that are trying to go chaotic. And bring them back to the way God intends for man to live in the earth. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So God put man in charge of the garden. Hallelujah. And um, man failed quickly. Very quickly. Okay. He was supposed to have dominion over that serpent. Okay. It didn't work that way. So that serpent got in there. Amen. But... It still doesn't change the fact. Because of Jesus, Jesus went and got the dominion and the right of rulership that we lost. He went back and got it out of the hands of the enemy and gave it back to man. He said, now authority has been given to me. Now you go. Do something again like intended in the garden with what I am giving you to bring it back because when you start to bring it back to the way I intended it to be, that I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Amen? Restoration of all things. All right? So, and we, you, you can think about our systems, okay? You think about, um, you know, I have just a few listed down here, okay? Um, and we have to know that wherever these systems become corrupt because corruption always multiplies. Corruption always multiplies. The Word tells us the hell and grave never say it's enough. How dark is it going to get? As dark as people will allow it to go because the enemy is constantly pulling on it to get darker. All right, until somebody under dominion and mandate of the Word of God says that's as far as it's going, and it ain't going darker any farther. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Okay, so I looked up some of the systems that we have, okay? Our education system. Um, how many of you know there's not prayer allowed in schools? And the, okay, how many of you know they can't keep prayer out of schools? As long as there's people that know God, there's, there's kids praying in school. Amen. I heard somebody say, as long as there's final exams, there will always be prayer in school. <laughs> okay? However, they tried to remove it on a way that it couldn't be spoken out. And do you know, because I went check some statistics out, from the moment they took prayer out of schools and made it a law, SAT scores for the first time in the history of America began to decline. It began to decline. Why? It's not that prayer wasn't allowed. They're trying to kick God out. And where God isn't, darkness prevails. Where God isn't, darkness prevails. Okay. Um, The entertainment system. Do you know that years ago, okay, how many of you remember I Love Lucy? Two separate beds in the bedroom, right? Okay. Then we moved to the Brady Bunch. Same bed, you know, and it just kept moving. But now you know that they said that, and of course, we aren't watching these programs and shows, but the amount of sexual encounters that is on regular programming wouldn't have even combined was not even shown in a decade. Combined. Okay, why is that? It's because the church quit fighting with their dominion that they had. They quit, they started tolerating. All right, I have to read you a phrase that the Spirit of the Lord gave me, and if I can find it. Do you notice how Jerry's all technical and I'm a paper and pencil thing? (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. I'm going to find it though. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All right. So it was this. Um, Whatever we tolerate, whatever we tolerate, we lose our right to dominate. Whatever we will tolerate, we lose our right to dominate. All right? And so um, we have to understand that these systems God set up were for the church to run, all right? Um, for instance, one of the things I was researching was our welfare system. And um, we have a welfare system that's um, um, reasonably broken um, in, in many facets, in many ways, okay? Okay. But do you know that prior to 1900, the way the welfare system was, it operated under a system that was called public relief, and it was controlled by charitable organizations. They did a thing called public relief, and the state funded the charitable organizations, or we could call them churches. They funded the churches to help the poor and the needy because they thought the church was a good um, discerner of how that money should be placed. Hallelujah. When the church worked it, fewer needed it. Hallelujah. Is this making it, is this too heavy? Okay. All right. All right. Um, Health care. Hospitals originated in church houses. They did. They originated in church houses, and they had standards of care. And the care was all about easing your discomfort through whatever means is available to us. And it wasn't about how much can you pay. Okay, I better quit. <laughs> Hallelujah. Those systems that became necessary as population grew became corrupt because the church pulled back from its positions in those systems, all right? And when God is pushed out of any system, it becomes a corrupt. So how does it happen? The church became tolerant, so we no longer would dominate. The church became lenient. And whatever we became lenient in, the world became t- and took that ground as their extravagance. If you'll give us an inch, we're going to take a mile, all right? And I don't know if you know this and keep up with current affairs. I don't very well. Um, I try to keep up with God affairs instead of current affairs. But from time to time, I get a little piece of nugget to let me know I'm not completely whacked. And um, in the spirit, um, we are making ground that we haven't made for decades in this country. We are taking territory and lands that we haven't taken for a long time. You know, in the next couple of years, you're going to see some major things that have come before the Supreme Court. Anyway, all right. So um, why, how did they get corrupt? Because we allowed corrupt people to rule and reign in them. That's all it is. We allowed corrupt people to rule and reign in them. So if we're going to begin to get the restoration of all things, we got to get the church wise and involved. We got to get the church activated. We got to get the church mobilized for them to understand this is our duty. This is our responsibility but we can't lean on the systems of the world and expect to rule in the systems of the world. We have to get our leaning or our necessity or our resources out of God's system so that we can help them with their system. Amen. All right, so we can no longer yield our place of being in charge. It's time for restoration. In the Revolutionary War, they had a thing called the Black-Robed Regiment. And you think, well, what, what kind of soldiers were they? They weren't soldiers. They were the pastors. They were the pastors. And there is countless times, because there was so much corruption going on, in the middle of a service... They would take off their black robes and lead the troops to war. The church was doing the things in the government and the military, all right, that we we have backed up from. Hallelujah. So why is important for this restoration? Why do we need restoration? Let's go over to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And we're just going to look at one verse here. I'm telling you, with everything in me, I know we're taken back. I know we're taking it back. I know we're taking it back. Hallelujah. We have to rise up and say, we're done being robbed. Hallelujah. And you know, the thing of it is, is we only have one enemy. It's not people. It's not people. It's people ignorant of God doing their best which isn't godliness, okay? You know, it's like, it's like um, have you ever seen that game? I don't know what they call it. Well, maybe I shouldn't go with that. I think it's something about a mole, whack-a-mole or something. I've seen it where you. it's got all these holes, and it's got this big hammer, and this mole head comes up, and you whack it, but there's another one comes up here, and you whack that, and then there's one over here, and whack that. That's the way they're working the systems, They fix one problem and another one springs up. And then they whack that one down. They fix another problem. And the Spirit of the Lord could just take care of all of it. Hallelujah. Is that what it's called? Whack-a-mole? It sounds good. I don't know. It's some video game. I'm probably dating myself. Okay, Romans 6.16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience to righteousness. See, what the world wants to do is make you subservient to them so that they can control you because there's two things you will do in life. You will either influence or be influenced. And so if if they can keep you from being the influencer, they know they will influence you. Yeah. Come on. And they want to keep influencing you so that you don't have the right to influence them. And we were made to be the influencers. Yeah, come on. Hallelujah. Not the influ- influenced. Now understand, in all of your life, you're going to have to be both at some time because you're going to have to be the teacher, but you're going to have to be taught. But the thing of it is, is if we're sitting at the feet of Jesus to be influenced, then we have something to go influence another. Amen. Amen? Hallelujah. And there's so many, if you stop and think about how many systems are influencing you or controlling you, or dominating you, or pushing on you. I can't say that in my classroom. I can't do this in public. I can't do this. I can't do that. And some of it is anti-God. A lot of it is anti-God. You ought to be able to read your Bible in school. You ought to be able to do that. You ought to be able... To um, refer to yourself as male or female instead of it without getting looked at sideways. But you have to understand, we love these people. The enemy got a place because the church wasn't standing up. And these people are hurting, they are hurting. They are, they are helpless under the sway of the enemy looking for an answer. And church, we're the only ones that got a decent answer. Yeah. Yeah. We can't legislate anything. We have to get into the hearts and change the minds and change the hearts of people that they don't want those things because another law won't change anything because you will always have law-abiding and law-breaking. But we have to get in, give them an answer that changes the heart and moves the condition of the life to be more in line with what God desired for man. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So we have to learn how to be the influencer. You know, so much of the church doesn't trust themselves. I will fail. I will fall, I'll be too mean, I'll be too ugly, I'll say the wrong thing. Just spend time with Jesus and all of that will wash away. The first piece is spend time with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Just spend time with Jesus. Hallelujah. You don't know you could be the next vice president of the United States of America if you spend enough time with Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. We have to know that God's influence in the system is of the greatest benefit to all of mankind. It doesn't exclude any people, any race, any person. God's influence on man is the best for every person there is. God's life for you is so much better than you ever dreamt. It's better than you ever saw. It's better than you could ever imagine. It's the best of the best of the best life. And God wants His influence in every system because He wants every person on the planet to live the very best that He intended in the Garden of Eden. He wants the best for mankind. He wants the best for humanity. He wants the greatest for every person. He wants it that way for everybody. But we can't get it without God. We can't get it without God. If we'll get a hold of God, we'll get a life that only heaven can produce for everybody. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Things are broken. Who's going to fix them? Hallelujah. So, it's time. This is the line he gave me today. It's time to be the church, not just go to church. It's time to be the church, not just go to to church. Amen? And when you start being the church of Jesus Christ, you will start influencing the world for Jesus Christ. Amen? All right. So if we're going to bring God back into these systems, how are we going to bring it? Hallelujah. Let's go back over to 1 John 4. Hallelujah. Because the idea now is to get God back in to all these systems, to get him in the government, get him in the economic, get him in the education, get him in the entertainment, get him in all these systems. We have to get God back into those systems. And it says in 1 John 4, so we want God in them, right? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. So the element missing is there's not love in these systems the way that God intended it to be love. There's an absence of God, there's an absence of love. There's an absence of God, there's an absence of love, okay? And they don't know God, so we don't expect them to be able to bring God into those systems, okay? So what we have to do is get the love of God into those systems. Now, how are we going to get the love of God into those systems? We're going to plant in the spirit people in those systems that have God. (laughs) Hallelujah. People that know God are going to get into positions of authority in those systems. Don't you know we pray about that? Don't you know we're after that? All right? And you can say, well, um, I don't know how to do that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You know more than you think you know. You know more than you think you know. And what has happened is you've convinced yourself you don't know anything, but you know more than you think you do. You know how to be kind, you know how to be loving. You know how to be compassionate. You know how to be concerned. You know these things because God's living inside you. Hallelujah. And we know these things. But you have to understand the counterpart to God working in the systems is a thing that is the counter of God. And it's not just the enemy. It's not the devil. It's not all these things. But we can sum it up into one word, selfish. Selfish. Without God, mankind is selfish. Without God, man is selfish. So, what we're trying to do is bring in the spirit of anti selfishness. We're trying to bring into these systems anti selfishness. You think about it, God's system was sacrifice myself. For the benefit of others. But selfishness system is sacrifice others for the benefit of me. And that's what we're counterattacking. We're attacking that selfishness. That thing that makes people greedy. That thing that makes people covetousness. That thing that makes people power hungry. That thing that makes people want to dominate. See, we don't have any dominion without God. And when you try to dominate without God, you become selfish. Hallelujah. So it comes down to us being compassionate and loving toward one another. Um, I have noticed this. I have noticed this. In educational systems, in just the Redmond School District, you know, and I don't have any problems with the Redmond School District, but I have noticed that the ones that work in the, um, the handicap programs, the ones that become advocates for the needy, all these people, I notice that the Christians get selected and kept in those positions because the caring of Jesus is operative in them. Amen. The caring of Jesus works in them. And they become treasured employees because they can operate in that. What is it? Taking over a system. What what is it? Dominating a system. Because the love of God is brought there. See, you can picket a business and never get as far as if you were employed in that business sharing the love of God. You know, shooting an abortion doctor is not going to demonstrate the dominion in the kingdom of God. We have two commands in the word of God. You love God and you love man. You love God and you love man. And those are the golden hooks of your entire spiritual life. If you can walk loving God and walk loving man, your motive will always be right in your heart. Your motive will always be right. Holiness will come easily to you if you can learn to love God and love man. It's the true it's the true commandments of the New Testament church. And any time you get out of the position where you're not loving God or not loving man, then what happens is selfishness takes over. A self life takes over and a self life is an anti-God life, and you've lost your position of your responsibility to have dominion. Hallelujah. So, let's look at some more scriptures. John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you. See, they're, they're living under the old covenant And he says, i got a new commandment for you. You love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. No one will know you're a Christian unless you can bring this love to wherever you go. They don't know you're a believer. They don't know you're a disciple until you love. And once you start loving, then they'll begin to recognize that person must know God. How many of you have ever run into a person and you thought there was something about them, but you didn't know they were a believer, but you were drawn to them and later on found out they were a Christian? Amen. So we have, to, we have to understand this, that we have to, um, if we want Christians to um, have dominion in these systems, we got to start acting like Christ. We have to start acting like Christ. Amen? All right, let's go to another scripture. James 3. James 3. I'll stay right here for a while, okay? (laughs) James 3, verse 9, and it's talking about how we handle things in life with our mouth. And it says, with it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude or the likeness of God. So everyone out there has been made in the likeness of God. So we don't have a right to curse any of them. It's the system that's broken, not the people. And all the people did is their very best to work a system. It's broken. The system is broken. The enemy wanted to dominate it from the beginning. That's why he deceived Eve. He didn't like it that man had the dominion. He wanted the dominion. And so the thing of it is, is we have... Ignorant people and broken systems. So if we love the people, the system will get fixed. Oh, hallelujah. All right, let's look at 1 John 5, verse number 1. It says this, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. Meaning if you're going to love the creator, you got to love everybody he created. Here's a powerful one for you. John three sixteen, For God so loved the world. That means the systems and the people. He loves the world. He loves them all. Well, they've done me wrong. But since you're a Christian, you can forgive and move on and keep love in that system so God can still have a place in that system. Does that mean we're never going to have challenges? No. Does that mean we're never going to have opposition? No. But Pastor Jerry tells us when we're under pressure, all it is is a doorway of opportunity for patience to be developed in our life to us become stronger and greater and mightier in God. Amen. All right. So this is not, I'm not talking about a revolt. I'm talking about a revival, a revival of the love of God. I'm not talking about a revolution. I'm talking about a restoration. Amen. And it's not about um, violent forcefulness. It's about being so filled with the love of God that you can find a way to get the love of God into that situation, that you can find a way to get the love of God in that place. You can find a way to get the love of God happening there. Hallelujah. You know, part of uh, the, um, some of the systems is the church lies as much as the, as the world, the church lies. They don't tell the truth any more than the world does sometimes. They, they lie. They lie in court systems. They lie on their taxes. They lie in other places. We're not going to be Christian if we keep lying. Hallelujah. Okay, I'm quitting that All right. The world is desperate for answers that the church has, but we have to quit leaning on them And instead, we're going to assist them with God-given wisdom, God-given wisdom. You've got some God-given nuggets that can help, but you can't help as long as you're needing them. You're going to start helping when you've got an idea and a plan to help them. Jesus said, if you want to be great, learn to be what? Servant of all. Amen. All right. And God's love will never accompany selfishness. They don't don't ride in the same car. God's love and selfishness never, never are in the same car, all right? So we have to cast out, get rid of selfishness. Our goal is to get selfishness out of the systems. The way we do that is we bring the love of God. We bring that in. And if you will love God and love man, you can do that. You have to love God because that's where your strength will be. That's where your fortitude is. That's where your firmness to stand for convictions is, is in the fact that you love God. All right? I love God, therefore I will not any longer tolerate the murder of the unborn because I love God. And that's mercy to everyone that's ever encountered that or had that happen in their life. But there's got to be an unyielding in us we cannot be tolerant of that. We can't be tolerant of racism. Racism is out of the pit of hell. You should not look at people and see them by skin. By, it's no different than their hair color or their toenail length. It, it matters not. It matters not in the kingdom of God. If the glory was all still on us, we couldn't even tell what color people were. Amen? Hallelujah. It matters not. But we have to get that system unbroken by walking in love and recognizing that we don't walk like that. We walk like Jesus walked. Amen? And then we have to love man with this caring concern, a forgiving attitude, a, uh, um, not finding fault with one another. How many of you have got faults? You don't find a fault if you don't go look for one. So we can't be fault seekers or we'll be fault finders and then we'll be destroyed. So just forget it. Everybody's got a fault. Would you like me to share Pastor Jerry's? Okay. That will have to be the next message. <laughs> you, you heard him say Sunday that I think he's almost perfect. Didn't you hear him say that? He didn't say that. It was true. All right. So it has to be an unyielding love, church, because we're back in the process of getting God back into some systems. Amen. We're back into letting the world see the difference that God on us could make in that situation. We're back in the middle of showing what God could do here. What can God do here? It's not what we can do, all we do is we're carriers of the love of God and of God. so here, let me bring this to you and see if you can do something with this. Let me help you with this let me let me share some compassion and concern because every system is broken, and instead of us complaining about how broken they are, why don't we do something if not in the in in uh Uh, Natural means, at least in spiritual places. Hallelujah. The, The word of God tells us, if my people who are called by my name, hallelujah, will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. He didn't ask the world to change the world. He asked the church to change the world. He didn't ask the world to get out of their situation that they were in. He asked the church, do something to help them. It's us that has the answer. It's us that has to make the move. It's us. It's us that has the right, the privilege... And according to the word of God in Genesis 1, the responsibility. Amen. Are you hearing me too much? Hallelujah. I am so confident that this kind of church, talking about the church worldwide, the position the church is in, the situation and the condition and the quality of the church is ready to take on some things that have been broken for years and have them transformed back to the way God intended them to be. Amen. We are ready to take on some things. So we've got to be available because as these systems crumble and fall, where are they going to go for help? Hallelujah. We've got to be ready with counsel from above and unction from the Spirit of God to know what to do to help. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand to your feet? Hallelujah. Did you get something tonight? Hallelujah. I, I pray it wasn't just a soapbox situation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to go to work. I, I recently heard a minister say, he said, most young people, he was picking on young people at this time, and I don't know if it's exclusive young people necessarily, but he said, most people think manual labor is a Mexican evangelist. <laughs> we, we, can, we can't be afraid to work we can't be afraid to put our hand to the plow we can't be afraid to dig ditches if it's going to minister the gospel we can't be afraid of that all right? because manual labor is not a Mexican evangelist <laughs> isn't that what he said Hallelujah Praise the Lord Thank you Jesus Get me out of this (laughs) Father we're thankful for your word Father above all I'm thankful for the time and the era that we live in That we get to see a great conversion We get to see a great transformation We get to see a great change in life and in systems Father we call them back Under the hand of God. We call our government back. Our economic system back. Our educational system. I thank you, Father. Our entertainment system. Our healthcare system. We call them back under the hand of the Lord. In Jesus' name. That the word of God can have place in all of these systems. That we focus on being biblically correct instead of politically correct in all of these systems. And we give you the praise and the thanksgiving, Father, that we have been chosen for such a time as this. And we thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen Amen. and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us for this message.